Hey everyone, how's it going? My name is Chuck Anderson and uh, this is the very first episode of the Life and Limb podcast, episode one. And uh, I'm really excited to have you listening. I'm, I'm uh, honestly just just totally, totally excited to have uh, this out there and have this done and have people checking it out because I've been talking it up for a while. I've been talking about it and telling people about it and to have this one in the books, uh, it's exciting. It's really cool. It's really fun for me to have this out there and to have this as something that you can finally sit in and enjoy wherever that may be. And uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about this podcast and, and where I'm coming from with it, a little bit about the history of kind of how it came to be and where I plan on taking it, a little bit about what you can expect, I recorded a sort of episode zero, kind of a kickoff episode, sort of an introductory little thing to to set that all up. So you can check that out on the website, lifeandlimb.com or on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, wherever you're finding this podcast. So um, today for this first episode, I'm joined by my friend, John Contino. John is an artist and designer uh, from New York. And John is an amazing guy. John's got uh, the best New York accent. Um, I would try and do an, uh, you know, an imitation of it, but I would just make a fool of myself. So I will just let you hear that from John in a few moments here. And uh, John and I discuss his life and work and how those two things interact with each other and how his life personally has impacted what he does today and how it's, uh, you know, sort of who it's made him into and how his family and siblings and his uh, hometown and, and uh, surroundings have kind of shaped him. And then we go into talking a little bit about his work and, and what he's up to now and dealing with theft and just kind of all that stuff. And really enjoyed talking with John. John, John uh, actually... Uh, John and I recorded one episode uh, in early November and then I listened back to it a bunch and decided I want to do this all over again. So I actually asked John if he would mind recording uh, the whole thing over again, just doing it from scratch because I felt like I learned a lot from doing that first one and it was kind of a trial a trial run and and uh, John's been on board with this project with me uh, from day one and he was super cool about that and and so I just want to thank John for all his time and for his um, you know, I've, I want to say for his help, uh, with doing this, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but, but, uh, for, for just him joining me on this, cause I really enjoy talking to him and I hope you do too. So, uh, without further ado, my conversation with John Contino here on life and limb, please enjoy. I'm here with John Contino. John, what's up? Chuck, what's how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How was your Thanksgiving? You have a big family thing. You guys, big uh, turkey yeah. fan. You could you you could say the big Italian way, a big Italian Thanksgiving. You yeah, could, you could say it's all right. Meatballs? <laughs> do, you, do you meatballs and uh, bagels and like New York stuff, or do you meatballs just and them? bagels? That's all we eat. <laughs> I have no idea why I assumed meatballs and bagels. I don't bagels aren't even Italian. I think I just thought New York. I don't, I don't know, know if anyone's ever eaten meatballs and bagels at the same time. But I, I think it's, it's a must at this point. <laughs> I, I think we just invented the next uh, sensation. But yeah, yeah, no, it's good. it's good. I'm opening that shop now, and you're not getting any credit. All right, fine. Well, <laughs> that wraps this podcast up. Thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, so family stuff. Thanksgiving, all that. Um, you guys uh, get together, do the big thing. Do you talk about your work? Is anybody in your family still impressed with your work at this point? 
Um, well, my mom is uh, my mom. My mom is is an artist, and and she kind of wanted to have an artistic career, and and never had the opportunity to follow through. Mm-hmm. So she gets to kind of like live vicariously through me. But I think everyone else is pretty much sick of hearing about what I do. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> what? Is, so tell me about that. Your mom uh, being an artist uh, herself. So she. Um, did lettering, I believe you've mentioned before. Uh, yeah, my mom, are, uh, my mom is so insanely talented. It's crazy. Like, um, she can, I mean, even, even like she hasn't drawn in years and she'll just pick up like a pen and just sketch something out or the best, actually the best thing is that when she sends us holiday cards, she does, uh, like crazy calligraphy all mm-hmm. over, all over the front of the envelope. And I don't ever want to throw them out because they're so nice. No, of course she not. Just, she just like does it. Like it just like rolls off you know, rolls off her fingertips yeah. and it's just insane. But she's, she was always one of those people that, um, could do everything. Like when she was in high school, I mean, she's shown me some of the stuff she did, like fashion design. She did like architectural rendering. She did fine art and painting. And I mean, she's just like good at everything. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think a little bit of that maybe rubbed off or at least she taught me some of it, you know? Sure. And where did she get it from? You have artistic grandparents, your dad, uh, artistic himself or yeah, my, my grandmother, my grandmother was a painter. Uh, my grandfather never knew he was artistic until he was a little older and then he started doing sculptures. So oh, that no was, kidding. and he was like amazing at it. Uh, my father's a carpenter and he's just like very like spatial design kind of guy. Sure. And then just like my, just like going back generations, everyone is in, involved with art, sure. some, some shape, you know, right. kind of some kind of artisans somewhere, just people who have used their hands to build things and make things. And obviously that's where you kind of got that knack from for sure. Uh, you know, what's funny. is like, you go back in time. Like I found one of my old, old uncle's work online. Like some, I, I don't even know how I found it, but there were some paintings. It's like it's unbelievable. That's awesome. What kind of paintings? Like, um, I, uh, God, I, I don't know what kind of era you would call it, but they're they're very uh, like portrait style paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's like some some scene paintings, not like scenery, but like uh, like actual like scenes of like things going on with people involved and you know sure. stuff. Like right. Incredible stuff. Like. I'd never be able to do it in a million years. And you just found it online. You just found it through searching names and hearing about his name and and when he found it. Yeah, pretty much. My grandmother would always tell me about him. So I, I, for some reason, just popped into my head one day. So I did a quick Google search and sure enough, there it was. And it was like mind blowing. That's, that's amazing. I love that. That's so cool. Have you met him? Have you, or is he, has he, is an older uncle like he's passed or? Yeah, this goes back. This is like 1800s. Oh, wow. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Nice. That's great, man. So do you have siblings? I do. I got two younger brothers. Two younger um, brothers. And so how old are you? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be 31 and like... I'm almost 30, man. It's no shame. No shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife always talks about turning 30 and how like it scares her, but I like getting old. Like, I, I, I don't mind getting old either, man. Yeah. I mean, you got to embrace it. You yeah. just have to. What I else mean, you every, got? Year I've, every year I've had has been better than the last. And I just, yeah. I getting older is better than being younger because the, the older you get, the less awkward things are. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, for some people, but no, <laughs> I, no, no, I agree though. You get more secure and you just kind of understand your place in life and in the world and things make you happy uh, in a much simpler way, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I just don't care what anybody thinks. If you're content, yeah. at least, you know, with your yeah. spot in life, you seem to be so. It's, I mean, it's, if, you know, I get to do what I like to do. I have a great family, you know, my wife, my daughter are great. I got nothing to complain about. So it's just, aging is fine for me, you know? Now, so your brothers, are they, are they artistic themselves? They do something completely different. 
No, my uh, my youngest brother is like the total opposite of me. He's like a data analyst. Like uh, his his mind works in binary. You know, uh, he's yeah. like those kind of guys. <laughs> sure. Um, and and my brother in between the two of us, uh, he has Down syndrome, but he's pretty creative. Um, like it's it's like when you know, like when he was born and everything. You know, like the doctors would tell my parents, you know, this is this is how it's going to be. He's not right. going to be able to do this, this and that. But uh, you know. At this point, he's what is he? He's like twenty nine, um, and the stuff that he does, where you would think that he's limited by his, you know, his disability, is kind of mind blowing. Like he's right. into photography and he knows composition. Like like his photos are composed properly, and no yeah. one ever taught him. He just he just does it. So that's amazing. I, mean, no, I didn't know you had a, a brother with disabilities, and my, I have I have a sister who has disabilities and I have quite a few cousins, um, people in my life. My, my mother-in-law is a special ed teacher and stuff. And it's a pretty amazing thing actually to have people like that in your life. I find, um, every person that I've encountered in my life, whether it's family or a a friend, you know, my sister's always doing her school special Olympics and it's, I've gone and watched that before. And it's fascinating. It's beautiful just all the way around, just the innocence and the tenacity of kids like that, you know, in terms of just, um, being determined to do what they want to do and just blissfully you know ignorant to their own situation this is a cool thing that's, that's it's just it's like a different world entirely though it's like because when you sit there you watch you're watching from the outside looking in you know and it's like the way that they interact with each other and and of course there's varying degrees of uh you know um i don't even it's not it's not intellect it's more of an awareness i guess sure. you know that's some are, are like some of them are completely self-aware and they're like, you know, I, I understand I have this and blah, blah, blah. That's a little bit more rare. Mm-hmm. But then it goes all the way down to where they, they don't even know what's going on. And then and then you have the majority, I guess, who are somewhere in the middle. And uh, to, to kind of watch that world where it's, where it's like they are living it in a way that we would never be able to live it. Absolutely. Yeah. They're doing it in the same way that we do it. Sure. You know, it's just like, it, there's no difference, but there's the biggest difference in the world. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's oh. also, um, it's also pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. It's a heavy topic. Uh, yeah. certainly, um, yeah, I, I mean, full disclosure, I, I did not know that. And that's something that's close to my heart. I have a 20, uh, 22 year old sister who, um, her whole life is, you know, special ed and, and she doesn't have down syndrome. Um, it's just, you know, uh, now they call it CI, you know, cognitively impaired. It's the oh, sure. politically correct term for mentally retarded since people really ruined being able to just say that, uh, yeah. obviously, but, uh, I, I certainly consider my life to be richer and better because of, because of her. And I actually have a brother-in-law with, uh, Asperger's and I have, you know, like I said, a lot of cousins. So it's a, uh, it's a cool thing. It puts your, puts your, you know, position in life and perspective a lot to have someone so close, uh, with, with something like that, that they have to deal with day in and day out. But, um, I don't have, I feel, I don't feel, you know, when I look at my sister, for example, I don't feel bad, uh, for her because she's, she's happy in her way. And I think yeah. that's a, that's a cool thing. I mean, I know, like I owe a lot to just my brother being the way he is because if he if if I didn't go through having you know having to deal with all that as a kid and having him be the way he is and everything like that I definitely would not be the person I am today you know yeah, it's like, absolutely no, it's a no lot of responsibility about it. as a kid and it's a lot of stuff to deal with and there's a lot of um, 
there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad and there's just things that kind of force you to grow up a little bit faster. Right. Um, and to like learn what the real world is. And it's just like it, it you know, on the one hand, it helps you kind of uh, adjust quicker and like become a mature person quicker. But on the other, you know, like it also kind of stops you from doing kid stuff and being kind of carefree. Yep. So, yep. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, you know, it works both ways, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got to go through it. Actually. Yeah, man. No, no question about it. Well, that's great. That's super cool. I'm, I'm glad we touched on that so quickly. I think that's a, an issue that certainly doesn't get talked about just in general, but in the kind of creative community and stuff. I think, I think that's why I enjoy, you know, hearing this stuff. It, you know, there's not a specific question to ask somebody to find things like this out. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty near and dear topic for me, and obviously it is for you too. I think. I think that's great and the influence and impact that uh, our, our siblings and our parents have on our lives Absolutely. in ways that you don't even think about day to day, but it's just in you and it's just uh, inherent in everything that you do and everything you touch. Um, it's, that's, that's, cool. it, that's the best way to put it. It really is. It's just like, it's just there and there's no way to get away. You can never change it, you know, and that's just how it is. And yeah. uh, it, you know, it's a building block for who you are. No question. Well, um, so uh, try and get on a on a um, less emotional note, man. I feel I feel like borderline, uh, you know, moved to tears <laughs> in a good way, not sad, and just kind of you know heavy heavy kind of stuff. But um, so your your parents, your siblings, uh, and so all right, New York guy, born and raised. I know your uh, hometown um, right now is no longer New York City, but talk, tell me about the you know impact and influence of of New York city and uh, your hometown uh, Lubbock and where you are now how all those places kind of how do they play into what you do every day and, and kind of who you are um, especially New York City I think that's kind of the most visible element in a lot of your work but yeah. everything about New York I mean I kind of you know I I had that you know generic kind of um, Italian family kind of upbringing in a sense that like my great-grandparents came here in the early 1900s and then they settled in the Lower East Side and blah, blah, blah. Everybody kind of spreads out to the boroughs and stuff like that. So that that kind of whole world um, has always been really ingrained, you know, like the big family dinners and, uh, you know, hanging out on the stoop and yelling at each other from <laughs> the street and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's always just been something I've really loved. And my parents uh, have, you know, were, were really cool about like, I guess, like keeping some of those things as you know, we moved away from the city and more into like a suburban life. Um, but you know, it makes it easier too. Cause everyone kind of does the same thing. You know, it's like when, when a certain, um, when a certain like group of people come to America, they always settle in like one neighborhood and they, they, they are comfortable around each other. And then eventually like generations happen and you know, you move away because you become Americanized and then, you know, like you lose some of that culture that you came with, but um, it kind of develops into a new and different culture. And that's something that I've always like, really, I've really, really loved that about, uh, my family and where I grew up and everything. It's just, I I've had so much fun being like a New York Italian, you know, even with like the Guido stereotypes and all that stuff. It's fun. 
Yeah. You know, it's, I, I love all that stuff. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better to embrace it, man. Just kind of, yeah. you're going to get it and figure out a way to use it to your advantage and have, have fun with it. <laughs> Dude, it's the best thing too is, I mean, in my neighborhood, I grew up, it, everyone was like Italian, Jewish, or Irish. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just like, just everyone like breaking each other's chops nonstop about being Italian, being Jewish, or being Irish. It's just like, it's fun. I just always love that kind of thing, you know? So it, that kind of uh, like more, you know, no holds barred kind of lifestyle of just everything's in your face. If you can't take it, then you don't belong kind of mentality has always been something I've, I've just enjoyed. So when I got into more creative aspects like music and art, whatever, it was just something that, that I never wanted to be safe with. You know, like I always wanted like a challenge or I wanted something that was like, you know, like I, I never felt that I was, uh, successful in anything unless I put myself in a really uncomfortable position you know like I would always back myself into a corner and then see if I can get my get myself out and that's that's kind of been how I've <laughs> orchestrated my entire life which probably isn't the best thing in the world to do but you know yeah. like I find that I learn stuff you know quicker and you know I, I you know you gain experiences that way and it's it, it makes it just makes everything else a lot easier to deal with if you know that you've been in a you know a bad situation before and you can get your way out of it and, of course you know Creatively speaking, I do the same thing. I do it to my, I do it to myself every day. You know, like every project that I work on, I always back myself into a corner and just try to work my way out. And it's, you know, it works out. I mean, that's, I, I like to work under pressure and anything that's not, you know, a high, <laughs> high, high intensity situation. Sure. <laughs> well, speaking of high intensity situations and speaking of New York and how it kind of made you who you are and, and the toughness and everything, the resiliency of, of being a New Yorker and stuff, um, I'm going to just jump right in and just sort of ask you a real light topic here. Let's talk something about uh, near, that's also near and dear to both our hearts and especially something I know you deal with pretty often. And that is the fun world of having your work stolen and uh, used on all sorts of cool shit uh, from T-shirts to products to ads and everything else. You know, I feel like I see you post on on Twitter uh you know, once a week, it seems about someone who's ripped your work off. Uh, and man, it's, it's a, it's a crappy feeling. It's not a fun, a fun thing to have to deal with. Uh, I, you know, what's, um, I guess, I guess I'm curious to know what your first reaction is when you find something like that. How does it come to your attention if someone alerts you to it, or if you just kind of stumble upon it? And what's your, what's your way about handling that? You know, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with seeing something that you created more or less be copy and pasted, copied and pasted onto some other thing that you had nothing to do with? I mean, I honestly, like, it's usually someone sends something to me and they're just like, Hey, did you do this? Or, someone hey, on Twitter or an email or something. Hits yeah, you up and says, I, I yeah. rarely come across it on my own. It, it, I mean, in, in my lifespan as a designer, I think I've maybe come across it no more than five times on my own. It's usually someone kind of asking me, but you know, the only thing that really kind of pisses me off about that um, is if a person who's stealing directly from me is then taking work off of my plate. You know, I mean, it's going to happen. Like, you know, some people, and with the internet, it makes it tough. Cause when, you know, like guys like us, when we were younger and we were learning, we were learning in private. But a lot of these young exactly. designers, they learn in public and it's just like... And it's all on display, it, man. You can't hide right. it. Cameras right. are I mean, always like, rolling I, was, on the internet. 
there are plenty of artists that I ripped off when I was a kid. It's just you got to walk a mile in someone else's shoes to understand how it's done. So I don't have a problem with that. You know, it's it makes 100 percent sense. But like when you start doing it and you're passing it off as your own and, and you know, you're you're building something off of someone else's work. That's when it kind of bugs me. You know, it's right. like um, and then and that's that's besides being like the corporations to steal. I mean, that's just they know what they're doing. So it's not like, you know, then, then it's just like you call up your lawyer, you, you send like a, a pretend email saying that you Season are a lawyer assist. representing. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, I'm uh, John Contino, the lawyer, and he says to quit it. You know, like whatever, whatever yeah. you got to do, you do. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it comes with the territory of doing creative stuff. I mean, if you do something cool, someone else is going to have wanted to do something cool. So it's, it's the easy way to do it. But the people who, um, who basically kind of create uh, a portfolio for themselves based on others' work. You know, that that's what really gets me, especially yeah. like if I get um, if I get briefs from art directors or something for a job and it's like, oh, well, we like this thing you did and this thing you did and this thing. And it's like, well, that one is stolen <laughs> and it definitely isn't me and you should know about this. And it's like, you feel like a rat because you're just like ratting someone out. But at the same time, it's like you spend a lot of time building something for yourself. Yeah. And uh, you don't want someone to take it. That's, take your, it from that, that's like your livelihood. And that's what you use to support your, your daughter and your wife and your family and your future right. and everything. I mean, there's, I think what happens when a lot, when people steal work is that they forget what it is they're stealing. They're not stealing a singular image. They really aren't. They're not stealing a single piece that you happen to make one night. I mean, they're really taking from... Now, I know this may sound melodramatic, but there really is a sense of stealing, you know, your, uh, your, your essence. I mean, what you've worked for years to be able to do. And I think that's something that gets taken for granted a lot, is that the things that we do as artists and as designers... Uh, or creative people of any kind, musicians or whatever, um, especially especially sim- uh, simplistic-looking uh, work, things that are very clean and simple. People see that, and they the whole "I could have done that." Look how easy and simple that is. But you, you know, but you didn't, and someone else put a lot of time and effort in to get to the point where they could do that in in the first place. And so, when someone takes that from you, they're really stealing a bigger piece of you than I think they realize. And some people have no regard for that. And um, one thing I've noticed that's interesting, it seems like a lot of the people that you've dealt with who have ripped off and stolen some of your work have been overseas brands. And <laughs> do you think that there's a disconnect there? I mean, do you think that there's something, uh, you know, like an aloofness by these other companies? Not in the, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know why. I just feel like I've seen that as a trend several times. No, that's not always the case, but see like I these think... little Brazilian t-shirt company brands pop up or something, you know, and like, seems like every other day. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, uh, when, when was this? This was, I think this was about a year ago. It was on my birthday, actually, I think. Um, I got, someone alerted me of a stolen design from somewhere in South America. And it was, you know, it's like one thing if someone takes like uh, an illustration that I did and puts it on a t-shirt and changes the name and blah, 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 blah. But someone actually took like one of the original headers from my website that says the selected works of John Contino, put it on a t-shirt. Ah, and nice. Like, I well, mean, they're helping just... promote you, man. I don't know what you're so upset about. <laughs> the best thing too <laughs> is that they took, you know, like I have this stupid made up word, alpha struct aesthetologist that I use, um, which is... Uh, originally, no, explain, in, explain that because I've seen that before. So break break it down real quick for people who don't know. 
the origin of that was was uh, purely sarcastic and obnoxious. Kind say of say like it again. What's the alpha struck the stetatologist? Okay. Um, and it, the funny thing is, it's like you know, like when someone asks you, like, "Well, what do you do for a living?" You know, and it's just like, "Well, I'm a designer, but I do lettering and I work in menswear and blah blah blah." It's like there's no there's no word for what we do nowadays. Like you're not just no one's a graphic designer anymore. You know. Those days are long gone. No one's an illustrator anymore. No one's this or that. It's like everything you do, you kind of have to be able to do something else too, and right, you kind of have right. to walk a lot of lines. So we're specialists. You know, while, I've had plenty of discussions with people saying, "Well, I had to explain to my aunt that I do this. Or I had to explain to my girlfriend's boss that I do this." And it's and it's just like no one knows what to say. So I just made up this big, stupid, dumb, long word, um, broken down. It's like. Uh, it's i think it's something like if you break it down i mean you can figure out what it is it's just <laughs> alphabet it's like, structure aesthetic ologist it, it's just like the building of letters and display <laughs> whatever i mean you could break it down it's not rocket science but it's like i i, I kind of did it as a tongue-in-cheek thing and then um every time i've i've done like a, an interview or something <laughs> i get that i get that question it's like so tell me uh what is an alpha structure exactly? You know, what does it mean to you? And it's hey, you brought it on yourself, like, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you might have made the situation a lot worse than it needed to be. No, but I, th- I think that's cool, though. And I think the thing is, we're uh, now I say we're uh, because both you and I are, you know, visual artists. But for really anybody in any creative field now, I mean, we are all specialists. I mean, yeah. we all are really doing things that sort of transcend simply saying artist or designer. I don't mean transcend as in things that are better than like we're above that term or something, but I mean, it's really difficult to just tell, especially someone who isn't really in your industry. If someone says, what do you do? And you say, Oh, I'm an artist. Oh, like paint, you paint. They're like, well, no more of a graphic artist. Oh, so like you digital, you do like wizards and like graphic art to me is like the (laughs) worst. I just feel like it's the best term for some people's work, but a lot of people think it means like anime and wizards and stuff, graphic artist, you know? And like, <laughs> if you say letterer, you kind of think like calligraphy and, and Hallmark cards and stuff. So I've never heard anyone go straight for wizards. Oh, no, dude. I, I mean, I, I swear, I feel like I've described stuff before and I start to picture in my head what other people are picturing in their head, what I do. And it's like this, can I just show you? And so I think that's my favorite thing is to just pull my phone out and be like, here, just look, this is, yeah. this is what I do. Yeah. People love asking what people do. That's, people are obsessed with what do you do what's your what's your job when i describe it that whatever i end up using whatever words i end up using usually ends up like trailing off into like uh, you know whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so the stealing thing um i don't want to harp on that but uh I, I know you've dealt with a range of it from corporate stuff to, you know, big companies, people, I mean, quite literally taking your designs and, and lifting them without changing anything. And then you've dealt with the really lazy ripoffs, which are the funniest ones to me. It is people who take work and just leave your name on it. And it's like, yeah, all right, great. you know, like, I know you're an idiot, but now you're like a complete idiot. <laughs> I mean, you didn't even bother taking that off. At least be clever about your, your theft. Um, I'm just curious, like, what, what's the mindset of someone who does that? Like, I, I feel like the words John and Contino are a name, you know? So if you're stealing something and you see those words, they don't look like regular words that you would use in everyday life. So what's the, what's the mindset behind stealing that, you know? Right, right. And it's, like, you know, like I said before, the, the concept of uh, 
someone taking something that's more than just a piece of art. They don't realize what they're taking. Um, to reference a tweet of yours from uh, exactly 683 days ago, um, <laughs> it says, one of the worst rips yet, Forever 21 goes after the gift I designed for my wife. Theirs, and there's a link, and mine, and then there's a link. Um, now, granted, that's a couple years ago, and maybe that's been that's been mended by now, but you got a big company. Take something that you created on a personal level for your wife. I mean, I'd be pissed off too. I'd, you yes. know, and I'd put them on blast publicly and hope they learn their lesson. That's all we have. <laughs> I mean, thankfully I was able to handle that, but that kind of situation, that's where it really kind of hurts. You know, it's like, it's, it was, it was a struggle for me to, to share that regardless, just because it's personal, you know, and you don't like, I like how it came out. So I wanted to share it, but there's only, well, there was only one copy of it, but, um, you know, when you see something like that, it's like, come on. It's like, I understand we're all trying to make a living or whatever. So if you steal from my work stuff, it's like, you know, I, I, I understand that's going to happen, but that's like a personal thing, you know? And it's like, I never had any intention of trying to make money off of that or anything. So to see someone else do that, it gets, that's, that's where it really kind of gets uh, frustrating is when, when someone is just like, whatever, I don't, I don't care what I'm going to do. So I'm just going to take this and, you know, there's whatever the consequences are. It's not going to be a big deal because I'm a major company and he's just like some dude, you know? So, uh, whatever, whatever we do with this isn't going to be a big deal because we'll just squash it anyway. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's not a fun thing to deal with, but we deal with it and I feel, uh, you know, more now than, uh, now more than ever, artists have a way to protect themselves publicly, uh, with social media in, in a, you know, in a small way by being able to put it out there that, Hey, look what this person took from me. Look what this company took from me. And, and that's something it's better than nothing. I feel like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even, I mean, it'd be very difficult to get a hold of a company, let alone let the world know what was taken from you. And so I think sometimes, you know, you want to try and handle it behind the scenes, but it's not always the easiest and you put a little public pressure on them and that's, sometimes the way to go unfortunately so yeah i mean this 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 one of those latest ones this one that happened this past week with this brazilian t-shirt company i couldn't get anyone you know so i was just like whatever I, social media blasting time and just you know just let the uh, the legions of of people who are sick of seeing stuff like this just go after them you know yeah I'll and part of that's feeling uh you know a, a little bit of a vent you know coming out yeah. you know a chance to sort of get that out and and uh you know, you're the type and I'm, and I'm the type as well who <laughs> feels like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'm going to do that. I don't care. Life's too short. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, I'm what's pissed the, about it. What, what's, I mean, what's the worst that can happen, right? Like they just keep doing it, you know, like as long as people know about it, then maybe that would be enough of a deterrent, at least for someone else who maybe had the idea not to do it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as when you got started, the path for you from kid to high school to, you know, college and that kind of the murky years of, of that until now. Uh, and sort of, if you go back and trace that whole path, um, I mean, would you have, when you were young for I mean, like, so let's just say 15, um, you know, and you're starting to sort of be, you know, feel out your, you know, your creativity and figure out who you are and what kind of stuff you like. Um, did you did you have a sense like how how old were you and you had a sense that this is what I'm going to be doing? 
Uh, well, I, I actually started doing it, um, I guess, semi-professionally when I was 14, um, which I didn't, I guess, realize at the time, you know, like I, I was doing, um, you know, designs for band flyers and demos and stuff, and eventually kind of worked into local business website design using, you know, like AOL Press and yeah. all those kind of like free tools and stuff that we had, you know, back then before, you know, the internet was sophisticated. Um, but I mean, my whole life, I kind of, I didn't really, I, I didn't know what I could do, you know, as an, as a person who liked art, you know, like I didn't know that there was a designer job. I didn't know that people who made logos got paid and I didn't know that people who made logos for major companies got paid very well. So I was just trying to figure out what I could do that involved drawing that would be, um, a career because I sure as hell wasn't going to go to work in a suit every day. It was just, I knew that like, like as soon as I could understand what a suit was, I knew I wasn't going to be wearing one. Have you ever worn one? I have never worn one myself. I actually, I got, I don't mean not for a wedding. I mean, for stepping in and doing your job. I did. I have a funny story about that. When I was uh, in college, there was like senior, you know, like the senior design show or whatever. And everyone, you know, hangs up, three of their things that they did and, you know, the parents come to see it and other students and everybody gets a pat on the back and everything, you know. But um, there was uh, there was these two guys from a local design studio that, that came by and they were like, hey, we really like your stuff. Uh, we could use some help designing a few things. Would you be interested in coming by and, and talking? And I was at that point, you know, I was doing freelance stuff for bands and all that. And I thought I was pretty, pretty good at being like a like a designer to client kind of guy. But uh, I had never had that kind of uh, person approach me before where it was like a real design studio, you know. So I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, my mom would always tell me, you know, like you got to make a good impression and this and that. So I I got a suit on and I went down to their studio. And it's like a couple of guys sitting there in sweatpants just <laughs> like, you know, like working on like stupid stuff. And yeah. I, I instantly felt dumb. Um, and then, you want to be the best dressed guy in the room though? Well – I wouldn't even say that I was the best dress because it sure wasn't a nice suit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's something. It was all baggy. You have a couple extra buttons on there, a few extra pockets. Yeah, it, was, it was the sickest, baggiest suit you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you, have a, you have like a Steve Harvey kind of vibe. It was, yeah, it was like colorful. Yeah, yeah I was going to make some kind of like early 90s R&B reference, but yeah. that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I went there and the funniest part is like, it, actually, that was like a real defining moment in my career, though, because it's like these these two guys um, had had this, you know, it was a cool little studio and, and they were just telling me that they have more work than they can handle. Yeah. And I looked at all their work and I was <laughs> like, to be nice, I was not impressed by it. Um, you don't got to be, be nice, honest, man. To be you don't honest, be I nice. hated it. You yeah, know what I mean? It's horrible. Like it was it was. Yeah, it was bad. It was not good. Are they going to be listening and, to this? What'd you say? Are they going to be listening to this? Oh my God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, you know, like the funny thing was I went in there to, cause they wanted to start a t-shirt company for at the time. Uh, I don't think anything like this actually existed. It was, it was going to be a t-shirt company directed only at uh, like MMA UFC stuff. And this was before tap out and all those kind of brands came around. This was like their, this was their baby that they wanted to do. So I, I come in there in this big baggy suit and they want me to like draw like all these like tough. When is know. this, by the way? How, how old are you here at this point? 
Uh, I was probably 21 or 22. Okay. So real kind of awkward to, you know, to, oh, dude, so awkward. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> and of course, I mean, I didn't get the job either. Like, like they were just like, Oh, we're, we decided we're not going to do it or whatever. So I, that, that was the end of that. And like, just that whole experience of bringing my, my, my book into the studio where there's two guys sitting there, you know, making bad websites for bad local hotels and uh, just like telling me how much how much work that they have and everything, I was just like, uh, just miserable. I'm, yeah, it's like I'm doing something wrong. It's like if these guys can do it, I can certainly do. It, you know? Yeah. So I mean, it was a little embarrassing and everything to just I mean, just just to be in that situation and to just feel so out of place. Right. Um, but it, it really did kind of like you know kick me into gear and and, and made me realize that this. You know, there's a, there was a world out there that I was missing that yeah. I needed to get into. And, uh, you know, it took a little while to crack into it. But, you know, that's here I am, you know. So, OK, so as far as cracking into it goes, I want to talk. I want to kind of read a quote here that I think is is great. And it's from you. It's one of your responses. I'm going to I'm going to abridge. I'm going to make it real short here and just read the first part. It's uh, your interview with the Great Discontent, uh, which is a wonderful, in my opinion, probably the best. It's uh, kind of the reason I almost opted not to do any sort of interview blog. I, I kind of thought, man, Ryan and Tina over at thegreatdiscontent.com are, are sort of doing this blog format interview thing with our whole creative world really well already. I'm not going to even bother. I just want to talk with people. Um, but anyway, so that's what this this is from. But the question they posed to you was, is it important to you to be part of a creative community of people? And, and I love the first two words from you, not really. And, <laughs> and you go on and you discuss, that's funny because I was having a discussion with friends about, you know, how you just like to work, but I, I'm the same way uh, with that. And I know a lot of other people are too. And I think, I think the reason we can sort of get through day to day life in that, in that way, a lot of times has to do with the internet. And I don't know if this is a sad admission talking about being able to just be alone all the time because of the internet. Um, however, I, I do think, uh, some people just like to work and you're one of those people. You just like to put your head down and work and you don't need to be bothered by a bunch of people sitting next to you. And you're quite content to, to do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's two sides to that for sure. I mean, when I started, I didn't have, like, I, I, you know, you get, you get those kids who, who end up going to the big art schools and they get the big internships and they, they coast into a great job with a great firm or a great agency or studio or something. And it just kind of seems like such an easy ride. And it's not anything that I ever did. You know, I, I kind of, like I said, man, I back myself into a corner every chance that I got. So it was like every hard path that I could take and every way that I could do something that was difficult for me, I ended up doing, you know, not on purpose. It's just kind of the way that I did it. So the only, the only real creative community I had was my family, number one, um, and like early design message boards, which is essentially a creative community. But I mean, that was, give me a couple of names, some design message boards. God, well, I guess I don't even remember some of the names. Did you use Yay Hooray? Yes, I did. Yeah. I was on Yay Hooray. I was on one called The Basement, which um, I think I remember I, that. Yeah, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot. A guy, uh, Jason uh, Morrison, uh, used to run it. He used to go by the name Dubtastic. 
Um, <laughs> Sounds like an internet name. <laughs> dude, it was, uh, that was the pinnacle internet name. You know, oh, like, it was just like, it was like, well, what's going to be my internet handle? Like, I got to come up with something crazy with some Z's and some X's. Well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there and let's talk yeah. about that just for a minute. What was your first email address and was it, well, just what was your, do you remember your first email address and, and AOL name or whatever? Yeah, cool totally. Uh, my, my very first email address was sledge73 okay. at AOL.com. <laughs> very cool. Very because cool. my dad's nickname when he was a teenager was Sledge. <laughs> was he a tough, tough guy? Was it? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he was like, at the time, he was like, uh, my dad My dad was a bigger guy when he was a kid. Like, he slimmed down when he got older, but he was a bigger guy when he was a kid. And he was just like the guy that nobody would mess with. Like, he would just like come over and like hammer punch you and you would kind of like go like into the sidewalk, you know? So Sledge, Sledgehammer, and then you took that. Dude, I love it. So that was, because I, you know, when I was, when AOL first came out, I mean, how long ago was that? I mean, it was like 94, 95, something like that, even earlier. And and it says, like, put a username in. And I've never, you know, at that point, I've never had a username for anything. Isn't that amazing? At one point, we never had to, maybe on a video game, if you give yourself like a nickname or some initials or something. But it wasn't until that 1994-ish, whenever that was, that we all got our first AOL disc and popped it in our parents' laptop yeah, yeah. or, you know, whatever computer they had and... Like, oh my God, I, I got to like pick a, a name for myself. I got to choose your own nickname. It's the only place where it's completely appropriate to give yourself your own nickname. <laughs> I had but my, I just thing- went real simple, Chuck Da One, as in like, I'm number one. Oh, that's awesome. That's, <laughs> I, well, I'll tell you right now, I definitely had a Limp Biscuit themed screen name at one point. Oh man, we're going to go <laughs> down a very dark path here. I got to try and keep this conversation, uh, t- you know, in- encapsulated. I will I feel like Limp Bizkit's pretty bad um, just because they're so bad. But as far as giving yourself uh, music themed screen names, uh, I at one point, probably around, uh, this is like 14 or so when I was very into alternative rock, uh, very, very into alternative rock. Um, I, I was uh, Eve 6. X oh, Fuel, no way. the band Fuel. Remember that song, Shimmer? And sure, Eve Six. I do. <laughs> and I just like Eve Six, and then Fuel, and I'll put an X in between, and every other letter was like capital, lowercase capital, and then oh, so on. That was that yeah. was the best. I mean, yeah. I had my dude. I think from let me see. I'm gonna say 93 to about 99 or 2000. Anything I wrote was always alternating cases. <laughs> yeah. That was really cool for guy, girl, any age. It was like, wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look badass. I'm gonna, every other letter is gonna be different. People n- will know I'm, I'm interesting because my letters are different, and then they'll know that I'm cool. Now, so, I not to, not to get, not to, you know, go a little crazy on this, but one of the, one of the means. earliest kind of um, memories I had of enjoying the internet was figuring out how to customize my AOL profile with a couple of sweet HTML hacks. Yeah. So I could change the background and stuff. Oh, no, no question, man. And like leaving a good, a good status when you went away and there were just the right song <laughs> lyrics and everything. Very important. Very key to the personal brand in the, in 95 when we were like, you know, 15 years old. You got to keep that personal brand, you know, running well-oiled. Uh, Absolutely. You know, At all times. I mean, you can't <laughs> let that thing get stale, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Um I don't even remember where we were on that got us to this point, uh, in internet and everything, uh, you know, whatever, but that's such, such a great, I know at one point I said, I'm going to stop you right there. And I knew that would be a bad idea because it was completely got derailed. 
Um, but as I think we were discussing, uh, being a part of a creative community and part of a design message board and, and I, using I, that I, as sort of the place that you, you get your fill of, of conversation. What's well, fascinating you know what, now is Twitter and Facebook just sort of almost nat are, are so natural and integrated into our lives that it's like, I don't need a message board anymore because everybody who I want to talk to is on there and I'll hit them up if I want to talk to them. It's a scary thing. I mean, like as, as I get older too, I find myself to become more and more of like a hermit, I guess. Like I like being home, you know, it's like I work so much during the day. It's just like, I just like to be home and just to like relax. And uh, especially now that I have a daughter and everything, I, you know, it's just, it, to me, it's just nice being at home and any friends that I have that, you know, it's just like, Hey, are you going to this illustration thing? Are you going to this, are you going to that? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you there. And then I never go. And it's like, I, I I think I've kind of developed somewhat of a reputation of like not showing up anywhere. My, so much to the to the effect that uh, one friend of mine didn't believe that I even had a wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you'll meet her someday. I swear to God, I'm not photoshopping this girl into pictures with me. Um, but I, I understand, and and uh, working from home uh, is a. You work from home, correct? You're yep. not in a separate studio or anything, so you wake yeah. up and now how separate? How separate is your workspace? from your bedroom physically uh, i mean are you well, talking five bedroom, steps from my bedroom it's extremely separate um from where my daughter plays for 20 hours out of the day it's not separate at all <laughs> as in so it's I, the same room yeah it's it's there's there's a there's a, a doorway between us but she hangs like the, i never close the doors you know yeah so um i am in the process of moving my office though because it's as much as I love being around her, I can't get anything done. And if I, <laughs> if I have like a conference call or something yeah. and you know, my wife is busy doing something or other, like I have her on my lap and it's just like, so John, we want you to do this campaign and blah, blah, blah. And then in the back, it's like, rah, rah. And just, <laughs> like you, you can hear her like with her sharp little fingernails tearing flesh off my yeah. face. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Oh, well, that's great. And I think the balance of, of working from home is a tricky one because, uh, I, you know, I work from home. I know a lot of people listening work from home. Um, a lot of people don't. A lot of people never have. See, I've never in my adult life anyways, since I would, you know, was you know, a little after being 18, actually worked somewhere other than for, uh, for myself. So I've been in offices and I've been in studios, but they were my own and I never had to go be around people and clock in and all that and stuff. Yeah, uh, and you know, it, and it's, you know, so I think it's, it's for some people and it's not for other people. There's some people who I know have tried it and it drove them nuts and they found themselves back art directing or back working somewhere else. And I know other people have worked in, my father-in-law worked in a corporate, you know, world and kind of had to commute from the suburbs into the city of Chicago every day for, for years. And, uh, eventually went off on his own and, and did his own thing. And he's, you know, full time, but independently now from home and, and loves it. And so, you know, I don't have anything to compare what I do to in terms of going to an office or anything, but, uh, you know, I, I obviously you wouldn't trade it for the world, uh, no you know, your ability to be home and, and around family, but how, how hard is it for you to strike a balance between, personal life and work and how often do you find it creating a legitimate conflict where you're trying to get work done and not necessarily the daughter thing is obviously a very clear clear cut example but uh in terms of you know being home and being in the place that you also try and relax being the place that you work yeah. that's a tough balance it is i mean it's uh especially at the point where my office is now the room that i use for my studio 
is right next to the living room too. Yeah. So not only is it where my daughter hangs out, it's where my wife and I hang out when we try to unwind. And my eye goes directly through the doors to my studio to like, I got to finish this. I got to finish that. I got to do this. So um, in the process of moving it, you know, I kind of learned the hard way. I mean, I don't know how many times I got to learn this because I, every time I set up a studio, no matter where, where I live, it's always someplace. And it's, you know, it's mostly it's not by choice. It's just because like I got limited room. So it's, you know, where else am I going to go? Sure. But, you know, I am, like you said, I'm not, I, I've done the studio thing. I've worked with other companies. I've, I've worked for myself in other studios and it's, I just, uh, I prefer to just work from home, you know, I mean, but that's not to say that, um, it doesn't conflict with my personal life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Cause it does. Um, but, uh, you know, that's why, you know, what I'm trying to do now is kind of, uh, you know, get into, get into a part of the house where it is completely separate, you know, from everything else. And I can just, uh, yeah, I can leave it, shut the door and not look back and, and hopefully will, you know, ease my brain a little bit. Yeah. That's a tough, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to, uh, wake up and roll out of bed and essentially put on your work cap right away. You know, you walk into your office without any separation. Now, I don't know if you have things that you do. I, I, I'm curious. I, I feel like I'd like to ask this of anybody I speak with uh, who freelances or especially works from home or in their own studio. What are some things that you do to break up your day so that it's not just you sitting in the studio, you know, in your office at all times? And now I don't know about you, but I hate a day going by where I don't step foot outside. And there's been a couple of those and I really despise it. I hate not knowing um, by the end of the day, I'm about to put my head down and I didn't step foot outside of my, outside of my home, uh, and get outside. I think that's very important. Um, what do you have that same feeling or do you just not care or do you go for a run? I mean, what's, what are the things? You know, now that, I mean, now that we don't live in Brooklyn anymore, um, we moved up to the Hudson Valley so that my daughter didn't have to grow up in the city. Um, I don't have to, or not that I don't have to, I can't walk everywhere that I wanted to go, you know? So anytime I got, like, I can't just walk and go get lunch like I used to. I can't just walk and go pick up, you know, this or that. I go drop off some mail or whatever. So, uh, that was always like a nice break, but now I'm kind of still trying to figure out what to do. I mean, it's nice to have my daughter here because every now and again, I'll just, I'll stop and I'll hang out with her and I'll play with her and, sure, you know, yeah. make, make yeah. animal noises and stuff like that. But, uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot harder now because it's just right here and everything I need is right here and I don't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I've been struggling with that. I mean, I, we moved here about a year ago and, uh, it's been a pretty solid year of struggling to figure out how to break up my day. Um, do you have, do you, are you a gym guy? Do you get out and go to the gym or run or anything? No, I'm not. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that I would love to do. And, uh, you know, I have a, I have a pretty nice size basement with, you know, gym equipment in it that, um, that I could be using, but it's just like, I, I think about 45 minutes of my time. And it's just like, I could get this done. I could get this done and maybe I can actually go to bed at a normal hour tonight. So, uh, I always, I always forego the exercise. And this is a, this is a more recent thing too. Um, for like, uh, you know, like sense of my, you know, peace of mind that I'll be able to sleep that night, but you know, that doesn't happen either. So I got to, it's the discipline of, of taking care of myself is something that I've, I struggle with the most. Um, getting projects done and work stuff, that's the easy. But like taking care of myself is something that's definitely, I found, gets harder and harder. It's very uh, easy to let it go and to forget about it when you're working for yourself. That yeah. uh, your physical 
you know, well-being and and uh, hygiene and all that stuff. And it sounds funny, but I think it's very true that it's easy to obsess so much on on work and what you have to do, and you can't take your especially if you get excited about something or if you're up against the deadline, it's amazing what you will do to yourself uh, in in a neglectful way um, and and staying up so late and waking up so early and feeling awful all day, but keep on going. And I know that's part of the the hustle that everybody um, promotes, you know, work hard day and night, you know, the whole thing. And I get it. I do it too. You do it. You know, a lot of people do it, but it's tough. It's, you still got to remember to like take care of yourself and, and, and like, be well and everything, but it's, it's hard, man. A lot of people freelance and a lot of people work for themselves now. And I think that's probably one thing that everybody I, I have to imagine struggles with on some level. Yeah. I mean, it's funny too. You mentioned like the, the hygiene thing. It's like being a freelancer or, or designer the way we are. And then also having uh, a little baby <laughs> yeah. at the same time. It's like, it's like I have to put like a reminder in my phone to make sure I brush my teeth yeah. and take a shower because if I don't, it's not going to happen. You'll find yourself all of a sudden it'll be two o'clock. You're feeling kind of weird and you realize it's because you haven't eaten anything yet. You've only had <laughs> coffee and you had like a small bowl of cereal when you first woke up and then you didn't shower. You haven't brushed your teeth. And and so, you know, you got to try and get in a thing where you start uh, some sort of rhythm or something. I mean, even if it's not a rhythm, just little things to hit on and be like, yep, I did that. I ate, I took, you know, and, uh, because it's all those things being in line, uh, that I think are really the foundation for how well you can do your work. At least I feel like that, you know, especially with like cleaning up my office from time to time, my desk, you know, making sure things Mm. are, are somewhat tidy is very helpful to your mental state (laughs) when you're, when you're working. It it feels like if, cause right now my, my, my studio looks like a, like a disaster. And I think it's only adding to my stress because there's stuff piled up that I just haven't gotten to yet. And the more cluttered it looks, it's like the more thing, the more it reminds you that you're not getting as much done as you should be. Now, some people would say that the more cluttered it is, the more the busier they are. There was a quote uh, from I can't remember who it was, but it was something about if a messy desk is the uh, representation of a of a busy mind then, you know, what then is an empty desk, you know? And I don't think that necessarily is an accurate uh, representation of someone who has a clean desk. Just because you keep your 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 stuff in order doesn't mean that, you know, <laughs> you have nothing going on. Um, right. So, um, oh man, I've never had, uh, this is the first, uh, maybe it'd be the first of many of the doorbells ringing while we're recording this. Um, oh, that's but they're gonna have They're going to have to wait. Um, I'll just leave the package. I'll get it another time. Um, that's, 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 a, that's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, uh, you know, hang, should I look out my window and yell at the guy can you hold on for like 10 more minutes to throw the package Dude, you, through the window? <laughs> you're going to kick yourself when you go to the door to find the package. And instead of the package, there's one of those stickers that said, we tried you. We'll oh, be back okay. I'll never get it. I'll never see the package. <laughs> it's probably something very important. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I think, you know, that just the whole thing, just working from home, Working on a computer all day long, having a you know clean environment, messy environment, whatever. At the end of the day, if you really are working for yourself or in your own studio, I mean, it's your problem. You don't have other people who have to worry about. That's another. I mean, it's it's a good thing, and on this at the same time, it's a bad thing. You know, I right. mean, it is. You don't have anybody else to impress? It is. I mean, and you got no one to tell you what to do, which is you know you would think the hard part about that is like getting your work done in in time, and it's like meeting deadlines and stuff. But I mean, it goes the other way too, where it's like, there's no one to tell you like, clean up your shit because it looks like a disaster. You know, it's like, (laughs) 
Now, does like, your wife care? Does she come in and be like, God, you got to clean your office? Or does she just... Uh, she definitely does that. But other times she just like ignores it and she's like, whatever. You Good take for care an eye roll. And, then, and I'm not going yeah, to worry about it. <laughs> not my problem. Yeah. Just don't let it spill over into the rest of the house. <laughs> yeah. Shut the oh door and... It, it spills over so hard though because it's like what I do, especially working in, you know, like with a lot of menswear brands, I get samples that I have to look at and I have samples that I have to work with. And those things take up space. It's not paper, you know? Like if I get a jacket, that's not just – I can't just stack that on a pile and it won't. And you're not it's, necessarily going to wear that jacket either. But it, no, you're not going to throw it away. I'm probably not going to wear it. I'm yeah. probably not going to throw it away. But yeah. it's going to sit there. <laughs> Where do you put all your stuff? I get a lot of stuff too. I know a lot of artists, designers, uh, people just with the internet. If you run a company or business or something and you happen to have product – uh, of any kind, especially something as as relatively cheap as a T-shirt or a print or a book or something like that, uh, it's really easy to send it to people as promotion or as a gift or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's not always, you know, we don't always want all that stuff. And I got piles of stuff just from the years, you know, in in a closet here. And and I mean, do, what do you do? Do you, you know, have you ever just thrown something away that you're like, God, I can't believe I'm throwing this away, but I never use it. Or do you just have stacks yeah. of things you've gotten from your own work or other people or. I definitely have stacks of things, but sometimes when I get into like, like ultra cleaning mode, I'll, I'll make, I'll make those like, uh, those, those tough decisions where it's just like, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to, I'm this, not going to need this. This I'm double XL hoodie that a brand <laughs> I've never heard of sent me, you know, thanks again, but this is going to goodwill. <laughs> Yeah, you got to make that executive decision sometimes. It's just like, you know what? I, you know, this is great that someone sent me a copy of this and I'm glad I have it, but I'm never going to look at it again. And yeah. I'm sure I'll kick myself in 30 years when I don't have it. But you know what? I don't have the space for it right now and I don't have the, the mental capacity to look at it anymore. So I'll just chuck it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, people love to send things. Uh, I don't know if you know Koi Vin. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. He uh, posted something on on Twitter once about, how uh, he really appreciates uh, he really appreciates it, but uh, he, he did, would prefer people not um, mail him things because they get thrown away, and uh, you know books and and whatnot. And, and he's an art director himself, and uh, I think uh, he had I basically said like I'm not I, I I get too much stuff, don't send it to me. No matter, yeah. it almost was kind of like you know it didn't matter what it was, not interested. Um, and I think that's okay. I mean, you know, especially, you know, I, I don't know if you have business cards, but people give cards. I have a little drawer here and I just throw business cards that I get uh, in there and they just sit there. And I don't remember the last time I actually referenced one, but there they are. Business cards are the worst. Yeah. They're really, they're, they, they're, they're, they're the worst things in the world because nowadays you don't really need business cards. You know what I mean? It's just like, what's your name? I'll put it in my phone. I'll find all the information I need to find. Right. Now, do but you like, have business cards? Yeah, I mean, I order business. I order like a set of five hundred business cards every couple of years and use about twelve of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just just like everybody else. Does. And then and then I get sick of the fact that I don't have business cards, so I order the minimum five hundred again. Then the box sits <laughs> on my shelf again. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, but uh, it's all, all that all that kind of stuff, all that clutter. I just want out. You know, I don't want I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. But uh, you know, sure enough, that's that's and that you know, business cards are the first thing to go. When I'm making those decisions, it's mm -hmm. just like if I if I want if I know this guy, I can chuck it. If I want to remember this person, 
I'll scan the business card. Or really? I'll, I've never scanned a business card before. That's a good whatever idea. Whatever it is, if I scan it or I put the name into the address book or something, I'll keep the information, but the card has got to go. It's they are go. so incredibly uh, overrated uh, business yeah. card. Yet yeah. there are some times where, and, and I, I actually ran out uh, of business cards that I had for about six years, the same ones, and they worked so well. Uh, they were so clean and just white and hardly anything on it except my site and phone number and and I ran out of them recently and I found myself in a couple situations where, uh, you know, someone else gave me a card and I felt like ah, I should have a card on me. So it's like for those moments where it's someone who you really do want to keep in touch with and you end up getting their name and everything. But I think it's still that formal, organic exchange of a business card people really enjoy and, and whatnot. But I, I find it so hard to care uh, you know, otherwise I would have had new ones ordered already and I still don't. So my, my, my latest reaction, and this is in the past couple of years is like, if someone says, do you have a business card? I laugh. Yeah. Because it's just like, I mean, you know, I, where, where am I going to put these business cards? You know, like, what am I going to do with them? Like, <laughs> I know, I, man. Like, <laughs> honestly, I, I'll get, I'll get stuff like promotional things or you know, meet someone and whatever. And, and, you know, like, I don't know. It's hard to say any of this stuff without sounding like an ass, but it's just kind of like, you know, that's why I get what Koi said. And by the, by the way, the, the, um, reference of Koi before, I just wanted to point out his, like who he is, because I, I said that and I realized, you know, this isn't something people are actually reading, but uh, it's Koivin, K-H-O-I, uh, at K-H-O-I on, on Twitter. And he's um, he used to be the design director at the New York Times. Um, and he, yeah, th I just thought that that was, he just got it <laughs> exactly right when he said, don't send me stuff. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I don't know, I understand. And you just end up having clutter and tossing it out. So um, I will say, However, and I don't know if you have any of these things, but when I was younger and I was first starting, I had a couple of people, artists and designers who I really liked, who sent me um, by kind of by request and, you know, these books that they had made of their work, really small, thin books that were kind of like in lieu of a business card. They actually made yeah, these yeah. little books of their work. And those were hugely influential to me um, at that point. Um, yeah, I don't I know if you I have actually, any little keepsakes, I, but I did one of those, too. I did. Uh, I actually did two of them. Um so that was when I was when I was younger. I made them and I used them instead of like a resume. So right. it's just like I would just drop off these little books, and it was really cool because they they worked. Yeah, because it's something. I mean, that's use that's useful. You know, like I'm gonna keep a, I'll keep a book. Oh, absolutely. But a business card. I I don't want a business card. Yeah. I will I will make a pile of them and I will set them on fire. I had two people. I had Cody Hudson, who is a, a designer artist here. Uh, in Chicago and the guys uh, over at Vault 49 uh, okay, in New sure. York a uh, very long time ago uh, at some point Cody in person I saw I met him at an event years ago he gave me uh, this little book in person and then the Vault 49 guys actually mailed theirs uh, to me and and I, I, I would look at those things like a kid um you know, on, you know, the day after Christmas morning, you wake up and you grab your toy and you look at it. I would just, and honestly, I mean, those two specific books, I, I really kept uh, in mind all the time. And they were a big part of why I ended up making a book myself. And so I think that stuff sometimes is helpful when people give you free stuff. But, uh, yeah. you know, it just depends what it is. Speaking of, um, what kind of uh, projects are you working on right now, both commercial and personal? I'd love to hear uh, some of the things that you have going and what you're kind of excited about at the moment. Well, my main one that I'm working on right now is trying to finish up the first release of my new um, Contino brand menswear line, um, which is actually, I mean, I could, I could, 
I could go into a little detail about that because it's kind of, um, I don't know, I, I hate to use the word unique because I don't know if someone's done this before, but it's the idea to me was pretty unique and I've been around a lot of it where um, I'm basically, I'm designing um, a small a small collection of, of goods under the name Contino brand, uh -huh. which is using all dead stock material. So it's basically what other companies have discarded or, or not been able to use or stuff that's been laying around. So kind of like in a recycling manner where we can, you know, instead of that stuff just going to like landfills or something, like we're actually going to use it and create something cool out of it. Um, and I'm also doing, I, you know, I always have like collab collaborations going on here and there. So what I'm doing is I'm kind of redirecting those collaborations into uh, Contino brand stuff. And when you go to the site, ContinoBrand.com, which will exist at some point in the very near future, um, <laughs> there, there will be, you know, uh, not only the stuff that I've created from, you know, from scratch, but also uh, different pieces from collaborations that I've done with other companies too. So the, the actual line uh, of Contino brand will not just be one brand. It'll be a whole bunch of brands and they'll, you know, there'll be like little stories behind how the piece got made and what went into it and um, information about that manufacturer. So it's kind of, um, it's a heavy undertaking for sure. But as soon as I, as soon as I get over this one hump and get all my final pieces, which I'm almost there, um, it'll be, uh, it'll be a really fun project to continue with. So that's awesome. you know, I, have, I got all these great collaborations lined up and we're going to do a lot of really cool different stuff. And they're all limited numbers too, because you know, a lot of this dead stock stuff, it, there's only so much of it. Um, so I'm going to do something different every time and, and, uh, you know, hopefully I can keep it going and, and make it like a really kind of fun, creative outlet. Cause you know, I got no one to answer to with this. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you on that. That's uh, an awesome thing. Any particular, uh, commercial client type things you feel like talking about right now or stuff you wrapped up recently? That's cool. Um, I actually, uh, God, I, you know, it's so funny too, because I, I've, I've always thought of myself as such a, um, like a, like a punk hardcore DIY kind of guy. And I never really expected that, you and know, here you are doing work for Build-A-Bear and stuff. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Build-A-Bear. Not really. I don't know if you have, I just, I don't know where that came from. I just, that seemed to me like the antithesis to what you were just discussing there. So. Build-A-Bear is the holy grail of every graphic designer's career. Yeah. That's, that's what they say. <laughs> no, but it's like I did. I've been doing stuff for like Lincoln Cars, AT and T, uh, Jameson Whiskey, which is not as much of a stretch, I guess. No, that's okay. Uh, you know, but like, like that—that's like some of the some of the more recent stuff. I I just did some stuff for Kiehl's, uh, which was fun, and it's 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 unbelievable how it's like some of these some of these companies come at you and you're just and they're like, hey, we want you to do this, and it's and it's like this is stuff I was drawing on notebooks, you know, 15, right, yeah. 16 years ago. And uh, no way in hell would ever I imagine that uh, a major corporation would ask me to draw some of the things that they've drawn. And that's the cool thing, and it's a, and it's an awesome thing to still be aware of that. And you know, I think I think here, you know, hearing that from you, it's just you still are in awe of the fact that you get to do what you love for the, as your career. I mean, it's a it's a cool cool thing, and I think that's just I mean that's awesome. And it's funny because even times when you do stuff for clients that maybe you aren't so psyched about what it is that they make or their product or whatever. You find yourself really appreciating it later on in, in some kind of interesting, weird little ways. I'll, I'll say that I, I appreciate every single day that I have doing what I do because I've done other stuff, you know, and I know how much other stuff sucks compared to, you know, getting to draw every day for a living. 
Um, and I, I certainly don't think that, uh, you know, what we do is any more special than anyone else. And it's just like, we're, we're lucky that we get to do this. And it's, you know, I, you know, I got to count my blessings because you never know when it'll end. I mean, you never know when uh, people are going to get sick and tired of hand lettering or whatever. Um, and it's, you know, I, I just, you know, I got to, it keeps me on my toes. You know, it keeps me from, from trying to let myself go stale. I always try to do something new and different and get into different avenues of, uh, of, of design and, and creative projects and stuff. And it's, you know, and then especially seeing other people who, you know, who think they're, uh, you know, God's gift to, you know, the world creatively. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, it really helps to, to keep me in check whenever, you know, like whenever I get a big project instead of, you know, run around like acting like, oh, I made it. I made it. It's just, uh, I just, it's like, all right, moving on. You know, this is good, but what's next? You know, it's like I, I, I constantly am trying to think of what's coming after and what's what I got coming down the pipeline and how I can get better and, and do bigger stuff and, and stay busier or, you know, yeah. just get, you know, just it's a, it's a, it's a tough world, man. I mean, this, this stuff is fleeting, you know, it's how often do you see stuff that you're obsessed with? And then like not even a year later, you don't even remember it, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I think by your, to your point earlier, you said, uh, you don't know how long people are going to dig the hand lettering and how long people are going to want that. And since yeah. that's so specifically what you do, um, I think, uh, that anybody worth, uh, you know, worth their weight in their, in their profession and, um, who takes it seriously, I think the answer to that is not if I have something to do with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, th I think it's I think it's a matter of uh, you know you're somebody who is influential to a lot of people, and, and you know as as uh, you know is apparent by the fact that people will rip off and steal your work and all that stuff, or whatever. But that aside, I mean, you're also somebody who people really look up to as someone who does something that they'd like to do, and and for anybody who is in that position. Um, Really, uh, you know, the power is kind of in their hands. And it sounds kind of cliche and corny and stuff, but I mean, it really is. And the more that you kind of innovate on your own work and the more new ideas and the more fresh things you bring to the table, the better off everyone else is because you're staying a step ahead and you're keeping people inspired and you're keeping yourself happy. And it's, right. uh, it doesn't have to be a vicious cycle if you're the type of person who knows how to keep it from becoming that. And I think at this point, I've, I've learned how to keep it from becoming that, but I will never forget that it still is a vicious cycle for other people and right, I can yeah. easily become that. Cause I mean, I've been doing hand lettering for a very long time and like it only kind of became popular a few years ago. So all the stuff that I was trying to sell to clients for years and years finally caught on. And it's just like, I remember those days yeah. and no one wanted to see it. It's really had a resurgence. I mean, hand, hand drawn anything, um, yeah. at some point really hit, hit it off with, people uh on a very visceral level and uh, wh whether over the internet or whatever and then it sort of just worked its way up into um you know on a corporate level clients contacting people like yourself and others who do things by hand where it seemed like a lost art for a while because i think people were so obsessed with using computers and and there's just this sort of like like built-in human <laughs> like desire to, to see things that were touched by human hands, I think in advertising and in art and in design and everything. And I think that's why you see such a trend back towards things that are like that and why it works so well. Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the, that the, um, the newness and the freshness of like the internet age and the computer age and all that stuff is starting to die down and people are, are, are recognizing that it's just a tool. 
just like a pencil is a tool or a hammer is a tool or anything else. It's like, you know, um, I always kind of think about it like, like when the printing press was invented, you know, it's like as soon as the printing press was invented, everyone and their mother had a newspaper, you know, and then eventually it became old news and, and smaller papers got bought up by bigger papers and then no one cared to make their own paper anymore. And it was just everyday life, Sure. you know, and I, you know, like websites are like that. I mean, just the internet in general kind of has that same kind of feeling. And, uh, I, I, you know, I hope that that has ended because I think this craving for handmade goods and, and all that kind of stuff is coming out of the fact that we were so obsessed with technology for the better part of two decades. I, right, even, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just like, all right, enough already. Like, we get it. Computers can connect to a mainframe and we can hack into the system and all that. It's like, <laughs> you know, we, we get it. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, that's, that's what we have. That's right. it. You know, yeah. like we, you know, I, I make calls to my parents with my face. <laughs> it's a video phone. I'm like, it's like the friggin' Jetsons. Yeah. It's like, it's a cool it's a, thing. And it's cool to see how the internet has really, um, kind of come full circle and there's almost like an organic uh, like the, I mean, the internet's such a broad thing, you know, I don't, I don't think of it as ju- it's so broad in that it can, you know, um, there's corners of it now that are, that feel websites can feel tactile websites can feel organic. I'm not, you know, saying that I like a website that has a cloth background on it, you know, <laughs> so it looks like real. But what I mean by that is, uh, there's just a real appreciation for, um, to, to consume handmade things and to consume the analog things on, on the internet, which we're all on all the time. And, uh, so it's funny because it's, it's, it hindered it for a while, it seems. And then now it's simply become a really wonderful, uh, conduit to bring, uh, what people like yourself do, um, out there and get it, you know, into the hands of, of anybody who is interested in it. So it's, it's nice to see that people have, uh, on a very general level, uh, you know, really just embrace like handmade work. It's, it's kind of felt like a lost art for a while there, especially through like early two thousands. It just, you just didn't find a lot of uh, hand done stuff. I mean, it was just so, so heavily reliant on, uh, you know, on all things digital. So if, if nothing else, I think it helps to kind of um, weed out the stuff that we didn't need, like business cards, for example, we didn't need them. You know, like the internet has eliminated business cards. That was a waste of paper and a waste of cut down trees. We didn't need them, you know. But, you know, having sketchbooks and and making stuff with your hands is still something that I think we need and I think we'll need forever. You know, like I've I've tried drawing on tablets and all that stuff and I know a lot of people that do a great job of it. But it's not for me. Like I have I have like a 10-inch stack of paper next to my desk that's just all drawings and I'll never be able to have that feeling with a tablet you know sure. it's just I, I can pick these up and, and I can throw them on the ground and I can crumple them up and I <laughs> And, you know, and, and, and that's not an old man like yelling at the kids to get off his lawn kind of thing either. That's a, you know, it's not like, you know, here's John sitting here and he looks at how old he is. He won't embrace computers. It's like, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I don't think that's the, the point. I think the point is to go on continuing appreciating the beauty of things that aren't plugged in. And yeah, I um, think it's using, using the technology and the analog stuff in unison, you know, like, like, especially the way I do everything, man. It's like I hand draw absolutely everything. But 
um, when I'm done, it's I finish it on the computer. I use Illustrator and Photoshop right. just like everybody else, and I use them so that I don't have to do all that old school stuff where I have to use like a thousand pieces of tracing paper and cut them out and glue them down and photocopy them and do this and redraw it. You know, like the computer eliminates all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, the technology is great if you use it in unison with more of the human-made stuff, like the, the human-made elements where you can actually maintain the the good parts of analog and and you know in you know enhance them with the good parts of digital and I, that's sure. you know it's a tool that's like like I was saying it's a tool like anything else and if if you use it as a tool it's great if you use it as a crutch then you're in trouble yeah absolutely that's uh, that's a great thing to keep in mind for you know for everybody who works uh, on any level whatsoever creatively that computers and any tool like anything are our tool and at the end of the day it's pretty much about what you put into into that and how heavily you lean on those tools is up to you but i think uh computers have made things so easy and and i think that's an awesome thing i'm not (laughs) i'm not like preaching against that or anything it's i just think it's a matter of how you embrace it and how you uh can learn how to control it and be able to make things completely your own um well it's been really awesome to talk with you or uh have, I feel like there's uh, so many things, uh, music and sports being two of them that uh, didn't even have a chance to really touch on. But uh, we will certainly be doing this again soon. Um, and uh, I think uh, I'll give you a chance if there's anything specifically you want to share your website, Twitter, your uh, MySpace, your DeviantArt page. <laughs> where can I find you in a phone book? If you can, if you go to uh, if you go to DeviantArt, you can find me at Limp Bizkit XXX. Sick, bro. Nine nine six six. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, you can find <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, everything in the world at John Contino J O N Contino. Um, and that'll I, all be linked you, up on the page here too, so people yeah, can just click. You can find all my stuff there. Um, and then uh, phone book. I don't think I'm in a phone book, which is ironic. I looked you up under graphic designers and <laughs> I found this full page ad. So don't play coy with me. I know you're <laughs> paying for the Hey, man, the space I paid $5,000 for that ad. Make uh, fun of it. <laughs> I tried to tell you, man, but you just won't listen. All right. Well, hey, I hope uh, we don't see you in a big baggy Steve Harvey suit uh, working <laughs> with a couple guys in sweatpants anytime soon. Keep doing your thing. It's super exciting to uh, to learn about your life and work and everything that goes into it. And uh, I know we'll be chatting again soon about plenty of other things. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Chuck. All right, man. Take care. You too.